Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Destiny Church is a, is a safe place, <clears throat> and if you've been here for a while, you know that, and um, we're a place of forgiveness, for sure, and healing, not just physically, but emotionally. Uh, many in this room have experienced that. Um, and there's some in this room that you know have worked through what it means uh, to have had an abortion or what it meant to encourage someone to have an abortion. And Jesus' love and forgiveness is there and brings healing um, for that that decision sometimes made at a very tender age in a place of um, trauma and a place of, you know, they, they tell you, you know, don't make big decisions when you're in the middle of trauma, you know, and, and that kind of stuff. And yet it's, it, it happens. And, you know, um, I didn't make real good decisions when I was 21, let alone when I was 16 or 17. And, and so there, there, there's lots of opportunity to have made mistakes for all of us, not just in that realm, but in every realm of our life. Uh, but, and, I, and I say that as a preface for the, for the comments I'm about to make because of the size of this congregation, those that are watching by television, I'm sure there are those that have had an abortion. And that, that word just makes you uncomfortable because you've had one or you were part of one. And, um, but I, I want you to know that these are not words of, these aren't words of condemnation at all. These are words that say, you know, I messed up in my life and there's forgiveness for me and there's forgiveness for you too. And so that's, that's, the, that's the heart of what I want to say. So, uh, But this past Friday morning, <clears throat> on June 24th, the Supreme Court overturned 49 years of judicial prejudice towards little lives. And they reversed their own decision of Roe versus Wade, in effect saying their previous decision was wrong. And so first let me say it takes bravery and it takes honesty to admit that something you previously decided is now not right. So congratulations to the Supreme Court and praise be to God Almighty. So let me, let me say that if you attend a church where the pastor doesn't make an affirming statement about this past Friday's providential reversal, I might wonder if that pastor was ever really pro-life at all because this is a monumental decision that has happened. Um, Hey, Aaron, would you turn the air off for a second? Thank you, sir. Um, it's interesting to note, as I thought on this, because I wanted to say something, you know? I mean, my entire life, nearly, more than my life, now my, my pastoral life, last 30 years, January comes around, and Sanctity of Human Life Sunday, and you know, it, I don't know if Val, I think Val is in, no, I'm looking for Val uh, Kessler. Is she in Hawaii or is she back? 
she back from Hawaii? She's still in Hawaii? I think a, I think a Daryl standing out there in front of Planned Parenthood, you know? And, and Greg and, and the rest. So I find it interesting that, that uh, the Bible says that a generation is about 40 or 50 years. In the Bible, the year of Jubilee happens every 50th year. So I find it no coincidence at all that after this entire generation of babies has been lost, that on the eve of the 50th year, on that year of Jubilee, that this horrible constitutional slaughter has ended on the federal level. And so we celebrate, all right? So I'd like you to stand with me, and those of you that are online, and those of you that are watching my television, we're going to celebrate like, um, like a cheer, right? Like a cheer, because uh, there's, there's a win, and we need to celebrate wins, right? We go, oh, there's this that you have to do and that you have to do, but listen, you, there, is, there is momentum in the spirit realm. I believe there's such a thing as that. That when the people of God go rally, because right now there is a day of rage, an evening of rage being planned in our country for tonight. You'll see it on the news when you get home. People will, will tear down things and destroy things and set them on fire for the right to kill babies. And that's pretty twisted in my mind. And so there needs to be people and people out there need to see people celebrate this because oftentimes... Oh, they're the minority, they're the minority, it's the silent minority. That, I don't believe that's true. I believe deep in our hearts, we all know that that's not the best. And God wants the best for us. And so, uh, I don't know the best way to do this if we just spontaneously cheer, but I have in my heart to say hip, hip, and you say hooray. Is that okay? Is that okay? I think that's cool. All right, and we're going to get louder each time I'm doing it three times. So I'm just preparing you. Don't give me everything on the first. Though make it strong. Make it strong. And then we're going to go stronger. And it'll be strong. It'll be the strongest you've ever seen. All right. You ready? All right. And this is for God, right? This is, this is, this is for no one else. This is for God Almighty. Hip, hip. That feels good, doesn't it? All right, all right. I want to tell you that, you know, the Supreme Court said that they were wrong. They said that they were wrong uh, by making it a national and a constitutional issue. But that means then that the states now have to choose what they want to do um, and let their population decide. We scared somebody. I'm so sorry. We scared them. So listen. To say that this is one of the most significant constitutional decisions reached during your lifetime is, is not an understatement. Now, those in leadership, including the president, have already called this wrong. Um, but just because he's the president doesn't mean he's always right. We know that from previous presidents, right? Now, what really concerns me is this is no longer a federal measure um, and a constitutional issue. It's a, state, it's a state issue. And so Governor Pritzker, 
Um, and, and I pray for the, we pray for the man last night, and we'll, pray for, we'll continue to pray for him. But he calls the reversal a tragedy. And he's already looking to make Illinois the abortion capital of the Midwest. Right. So this has to be stopped. So, so as the body of Christ, that's us collectively, we are called to be the voice, not only of truth, but also of compassion, right? So moving forward, the church's action in wake of overturning Roe versus Wade, we need to embrace the dual responsibility of speaking truth and doing it compassionately. So winning a legal victory is not the end of the battle. You know this. How do you know that? Listen, making something illegal doesn't make it go away. Right? So it doesn't turn, a law certainly doesn't change people's hearts either. So what's the answer? The answer, Jesus was, Jesus is, and Jesus will always be the answer because he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. That means that on the ground floor, the church needs to be doing the work of seeing the desperate mothers bearing the consequences of a fallen world that we bring them the kingdom of heaven and help alleviate their suffering. So now is the time to double down on your efforts for Beer Lahaya Roy and other ministries that, that help women that are keeping their children, to help them, to show them that the love of Christ can bring joy and peace even in the midst of difficult times. The battle has been and will always remain in the heavenly realm, so pray. Give to pro-life ministries. Get involved. By that I mean vote. The primary's coming up. The primary's coming up. Um, I am not allowed to tell you who to vote for. And I wouldn't be as pompous as to think I should tell you. I think you know. If this is your standard, right, well, he's going to give me a bigger break on my 401k. Is that really how you want to answer Jesus when you stand in front of him and say you voted for somebody that likes killing babies? Think that's okay? Is that really the litmus test for you? Well, it really shouldn't be a litmus test. For me, it's a litmus test. Raise my taxes, mess me over on my, on my Second Amendment right, infringe my First Amendment right, but I cannot stand before God and say, I'm for a guy that likes killing babies. I just can't do that. That's me speaking. That's me speaking. And so the, uh, the primaries are coming up. And if you don't know who to vote for, you can certainly come ask me. I'll encourage you to, 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 to vote for some people that, particularly in the primary, well, that guy down here, or the lady, or whoever, well, they don't stand a chance. Well, if everybody thinks they don't stand a chance, then they're not, you know what I mean? So you gotta vote your conscience, not, that's the problem with, let me just say this about politics. Hey, Dawn, can you come up here for a second, please? That's totally spontaneous, and I want her to share a word just a second. Um, thank you. Um, but it's always, it's a world of compromise. 
You know, I'll give you this if you give me that, and I need more money for my roads and my bridges if you do this. Shad, would you help her up these stairs, please? And um, it's just, it's a tragedy that we compromise on life. This is Dawn. This is Dawn Binky. You may not know Dawn, but Dawn is a founding member of this church. She's been a part of the ministry since I came to town some 30 years ago or so. She's an amazing woman. Step up here. And uh, she, uh, she, I remember, I remember the day, I remember the day, Dawn, um, gosh, I can tell you right where I was standing, in the auditorium at First Assembly of God down on Carpenter Street, and you said, I'm so passionate about saving babies, I'm going to quit my job, I'm going to go back to, how old were you at the time, can I ask you that? Yes, 44. She was 44 years old, she said, I'm going to go back to school, I'm going to become a lawyer, and I'm going to make a difference. Um, in the pro-life movement. She's been the president of the Federation of, of uh, all, all the things that you can be in the state of Illinois where it comes to pro-life is concerned. And I'd like to hear maybe yeah. a comment or two from you yeah, sure. as it relates to today. Can you do that? Thank you. So we rejoice in what has happened at the federal level. And that's going to save millions of innocent lives. It's amazing. But unfortunately, we live in one of the most pro-abortion states in the country, and we have a governor who wants to make it even more available. Um, and so he is going to be calling a special session in a couple of weeks to get all the legislators back here so they can start planning how they can capture more women coming into the state of Illinois to get their abortions. Now, right now, women are coming in uh, to uh, Fairfield. There's a big Planned Parenthood uh, center there right on the Missouri line. And women are crossing in right now because all the states around Illinois have some sort of restrictions, parental notice or informed consent, something. So many, many women and many teenagers, because we had parental notification that was repealed. And so they're already pouring in here. And what you probably don't know is when they cross the line and they come into Illinois, they go into Planned Parenthood who has a person from public aid there who fills out the public aid form for them on the spot, approves them for public aid, and every one of us are paying for those abortions for those people coming in from out of state. So it's not it's it's such a huge issue, and that's going to really increase. We are going to see many, many more people coming into the state of Illinois. So uh, what Pastor said is so important, and that is we have to take back Illinois. We have to. It's, it's, it's like the babies that are dying in this state, it's, it's so overwhelming. If you really stop and think of it every day, innocent lives are being taken. And if we as a body the body of Christ can't get up and say, okay, enough, enough, let's stop this. The church has to stand up. We have to vote. And it's so important to change the hearts of people. You can try and convince them to vote. They have to understand why to vote. That's why the gospel is so important alongside of telling people about life and what's going on. So please, I'm just asking you to please consider becoming a part of this movement. Um, the Federation create, we have a PAC, I'm the PAC chair, Political Action Committee. 
every election, we put together a statewide, it's a huge job, uh, survey, we survey, and we find out who is pro-life for almost the entire state. And that is called a grid, and at our website, ifrl.org, you go there, check election information. You will see a whole page on who, where, what, and we will cover the whole state. All give, you have to give the website address again, please. ifrl.org. And it'll tell you who is running and who is pro-life. Now, there are, some people aren't there because they didn't enter our survey. They haven't voted. They don't have a voting record. So we don't know about them. But everyone we've identified that's pro-life throughout the state of Illinois that's running for an office at the state level it's there for you. Find out, find your district and vote for that person. And share that information. Spread the information. Illinois is a spiritual stronghold in the heart of this country. That stronghold has to come down. Yes. It has to come down. And we, we have to do it because the Lord wants us to do it, and he's the one that's gonna make it be. He's the one that overturned Roe v. Wade, and he's the one that can save the state of Illinois. Amen. Thank you, Dawn. Dawn and Lee are great people. You sh if you don't know them, you should take an opportunity to meet them. Both the unborn child and the mother carry with them the need for the love of Christ, and the church is the only one that can give that. It's our responsibility. Now, our Constitution acknowledges that God has given us inalienable rights, immutable, indisputable, incontroversial rights. What that means is the U.S. government's Constitution doesn't say that you have the right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness because they say so. They say those rights have already pre-existed. They are there because God has given them to you, the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And it all begins with life, even the smallest. So I have a sermon I may or may not preach here in a few minutes anyway, but I'd like to read to you a portion of a really, really, really good book. It's not boring. It's a Dr. Seuss book. And Dr. Seuss, my favorite all-time Dr. Seuss book is The Grinch Who Stole Christmas. He's my favorite. The original video, the original with Boris Karloff and all that, the original uh, little cartoon. But another very, very good and one of my other favorites is Horton Hears a Who. Now, I don't know if you know Horton Hears a Who, but it is a, such a wonderful story that, who knows, it's probably banned in school libraries. That's how good a book it is. Horton, Horton is an elephant. Elephants are known to have very good ears. And he hears a who. A who, as in Whoville. He hears a who. Remember, the, remember little Emmy Lou who, that's who? in the Grinch's of Christmas, that whole village? Where is that village? Do you know where that village is? It exists on a little baby clover that you can't even see. It's a speck of dust. Whoville is a speck of, I'm, I'm blowing some of your minds right now, <laughs> but Whoville is a speck of dust 
and there's a mayor of that town, and there, there's cities in that town, and there's, and there's buildings in that town, and they're Who's from Whoville. And Horton, one day, walking through the field, hears the mayor of Whoville speaking from this little speck of dust that's sitting on this clover. I know. The things you learn when you come to church. It's going to make a point here in a second. And so uh, Horton falls in love with the who in Whoville that, sit on, that live on the speck of dust that sit on a clover. And of course, no one else can hear. No one else can hear the who's of Whoville on the speck of dust on the clover uh, except Horton. And there's a kangaroo, and the kangaroo in the story is the bad kangaroo and his little baby in the pouch always mimics what mom says. And they, they, they're tired of Horton and him going on about all of this. They think he's crazy once and for all. So they tie Horton up, and then they come and they grab the, the clover that has the speck of dust on it where all the who's live, and they give it to an eagle. And then the eagle flies and says, I'm going to drop it into a, a field of clover of more than three million clover. And Horton cares so much about these little individuals that he goes into this field of clover and he starts picking up clovers one at a time, seeing if he can hear the who's in Whoville. Because Horton hears a who. Now you remember the story? I don't know if you know the story, but it's a great, great story. And I wanted to, and I reread the story last night, I read it again this morning. Um, and then again in my office just a little while ago, I'm, ah, I don't want to read the whole story. So I just summarized it for you, but I want to read the end of the story for you, okay? So, so now that you're up to speed on how the story goes, I'm going to read the end of the story. And so what has happened now is Horton has told all the who's, they need to be able to hear you. So, Mr. Mayor, if you would gather up all the who's in Whoville, and you would all have them begin their be bangler. Remember in the, in the Grinch Still Christmas, all the no, no, noise instruments? They get all those out again, and everyone starts screaming, and everyone starts yelling in hopes that somebody other than Horton could hear. And so it happens, and it's going on, and it's loud, and Horton says, I hear it. And the mayor says, does anybody else hear it? And Horton says, no, no one else hears it. And Horton says, well, you better go make sure everyone in Whoville is screaming and yelling about, about, about this, because it's so important. You're going to die if you don't. So the mayor goes throughout the town, and he finds one little kid hanging out in a room. I'm thinking he's playing Nintendo. I don't know. But he's hanging out in a room, and he's not participating and so the mayor says, hey, you, come on, you got to join us, you got to make a noise, because th- th- we're going to get saved if, if uh, you make this noise. So, he grabs a little kid, and, and he climbed with the lad up the Eiffelberg Tower. This, cried the mayor, is your town's darkest hour. The time for all who's who have blood that is red to come to the aid of their country, he said. I've got to make noises in greater amounts. So open your mouth, lad, for every voice counts. Thus he spoke as he climbed, and then he got to the top. The lad cleared his voice (coughs) and shouted out, Yop! And that yop, that one small extra yop, put it over. Finally and at last, 
from that speck on that clover. Their voices were heard. They rang out clear and clean. And the elephant smiled. Do you see what I mean? They've proved they are persons no matter how small. And their whole world was saved by the smallest of all. I'll just have to save them, Horton says, because after all, a person's a person no matter how small. Amen, right? Wow. Gosh. So those are my celebratory comments on uh, what has happened this past Friday. And um, they're not designed to hurt anybody. They're designed to uh, celebrate a win and to inform you and to motivate you. So thank you for for indulging me in in those few moments. Very important. Um, So I do have a sermon, and I have a few minutes. Now it's getting stuffy in here, right? Anybody else? Yeah? Okay, Aaron, kick it off. See, here's the deal. We, We have an appointment. We have it. We have a desire. And this is only to let you know that I hear it too. There's an ever so slight squeak that happens over here on my left side in something. The princess and the pea you are. She calls me the princess and the pea. Because I can hear things and they they annoy me. So let's all listen and hear it for a second. Now you hear it. That means now you can just, you know that I know it's there. So we can all just lay it at rest. All right. If you can't hear it, you should probably get a hearing test. You can't hear that? There's too many guns. You've been shooting too many guns, Chad. <laughs> Wi-Fi, free and available. It's the family of wireless networks that we have around here. Um, it's how we get connected in life. A review of last week, we talked about Wi-Fi being wireless fidelity. Fidelity meaning faithful to obligations and faithful to duties. We talked about the imago dei, how we are formed in the image of God that gives us, by default, connectedness to God because we're made in his image. Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image, the imago dei, the Latin phrase meaning made in the image of God. So we talked about how we're made in the image of God that makes us connected We're also connected to God. Secondly, last week when we talked about he gave us our name, that gives us a connection to him. So it's vital for us to be connected. That's the name of the conference we have coming up in a month or so. And I want you to really consider coming to that. And I want to prime the pump and encourage you to be connected and be connected not just, you know, through connect groups. that's, That's wonderful. But first and foremost, to be connected with God. It's free. It's available. And we saw the coverage map last week. He's everywhere all the time. Much better than Verizon and AT&T. So I just have two quick things I want to I pile on. I want to dogpile on those. And that is this. We, we, we exemplify our connectedness. We demonstrate our connectedness when, we, when our desires, here it is, when our desires, our interests are his desires. St. Augustine, you may be familiar with his early church father from the third century. He said, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is relentless until it finds its rest in thee. So the revealing truth is this. What you desire reveals who you're connected to. 
So let me ask you a few questions. This will reveal your heart's desire. Number one, what do you desire that's worth suffering for? Got to have it and I'm willing to suffer for it. This will define what you desire for. Number two, based on your daily routines, where will you be in five years? Number three, who do you admire the most and why? Do, who do you like to most please? And if you didn't have to work anymore, what would you do? What those questions are is like, you know when you're driving down the road and your car throws a code and the little idiot light turns on? And you, you, so what do you do? Well, if you've got an old beater car like I do, you don't go to a mechanic and have them plug their little thing in to tell you what's wrong with it. You're much more sophisticated than that. You buy your own little thing and you plug it into your car so you know what's wrong with it as to whether or not it really needs to be fixed or not, right? Anybody else? You can buy those little things that plug in that under, you know where they get and they plug that up and you can buy one of those things and it'll tell you what's wrong with your car. They're not super expensive. And so I have one um, and it's, it's proven to be, it, it's a diagnostic tool to tell you what's wrong. These questions are just diagnostic tools to help you figure out what you desire because what you desire reveals who you are connected to. You ever heard the phrase, teamwork makes the... Why is that? Why does the dream work through teamwork? It's because we all, we all have a common purpose here. We're in, the, we're in the locker room before the game. We're in the locker room at halftime, and the coach has given us that speech to get us all on the same page so that we all have the same desire. Have you ever been on a team where someone doesn't care if you win or not? They're not part of the team in my mind. Oh, we're here to have fun. No, we're here to win. Win. Everybody gets to play. No, the best players should play if you want to win. Well, that means I don't get to play. Well, then you should go practice, shouldn't you? What I just said is like, just raises the, I mean, it just doesn't set well with today's society, does it? But it's the reality. If you want to win, you got to have a team and they got to have the same goal and we got to be on the same page. And when you do this, I do this and we're all in this together because it's teamwork that makes the dream work. Their desire is to win. That re it's revealed. So if I'm truly connected to my wife, her desires are my desires. If I'm connected to the team, the team's desires are my desires. I will sacrifice going out and partying on a Friday night because we've got a game at nine o'clock on Saturday morning. Because I'm going to sacrifice because I have the same desire that all the people do and that's going to reveal some things about me. So if I truly love my wife, her desires, if we have the same goal, her desires are going to be my desires. It may not be what I want, but because we're a team, I go out and I make sure the cushions on the chairs on the deck don't get wet when it rains. I could care less. But I know she doesn't want them to get wet. So her desires become my desires. You feeling me? You understand what I'm saying? She, vocationally, she wanted to be a nurse. Okay, your desire is my desire. Financially, we, sh we share desires. Relationally, 
it will reveal who you love and what, who, who you're on the same page with in life. If I'm truly connected to her, if I'm connected to my, my daughter, my son-in-law, their desires become my desires. Ryan wants more tools. I give him more tools. His desires. Hannah, to live gluten-free. I'm pro-gluten. I'm very pro-gluten. She is anti-gluten, but because I know her desire is to be gluten-free, when she comes to the house, we have purchased gluten-free crackers. The worst crackers ever to be on the face of the earth. Twice as expensive as regular crackers, but because it's her desire, her desire becomes my desire. Her desire becomes my desire because I love her and I want to be connected to her. Are you picking up what I'm throwing down? They want to raise godly children. That's their desire, so that becomes my desire. My grandchildren's desires. I want to be connected to them. I want to be connected to my grandchildren, so their desires become my desires. Their desire, fun. I'm good for that. I'm very pro-fun. Catch bugs, go to the playground, go swimming, go fishing. So all of that being said, God's desires should become your desires if you want to be connected to him. I'm connected to my wife, I'm connected to the team, I'm connected to this church, connected to you in relationship if your desires become my desires. It reflects the, the diagnostic question as to whether or not you're really in it to win it or not. So are your desires God's desires? You can evaluate your level of connectedness to God by whether or not his desires are your desires. Now each of these is a sermon and I'm not going to preach them, but how to know who you really are, are hardships reveal who you really are. How you act when you're upset reveals who you really are. How you treat those who can do nothing for you will reveal who you really are. Who you are when no one is looking, that will reveal who you are. How you treat people in desperate need, that reveals how you are, who you really are. How you spend your money, oh, this is a big one, will reveal who you are. You want to know who, who you, oh my gosh, okay, I'll say it. You want to know who your God is? Open your checkbook and see who's, where you spend the most money. Because where your treasure is, there your heart is. I digress. Number seven, what brings you comfort will reveal who you really are. And here's the one we're going to hammer. What brings your heart's joy reveals who you really are. Because the desires of your heart set the course for your life and reveal your connectedness to the Lord. So the diagnostic tool from this morning is, are your desires God's desires? So what are the Father's desires? You need to know those so you can evaluate. He has three primary desires. God has three primary desires. Number one, and this will, re this will reflect whether or not you're connected to God, is if your desires are his desires. His desires, number one, is that none should perish. That's like your spouse telling, this is my desire. You buy into that because you want to be connected to your spouse. Well, God says, I have a desire, and my desire is that none should perish. And you can reflect. You will demonstrate. You will demonstratively tell the world that you're connected to me if your desires look like my desires, and my desire, says the Lord, is that none should perish. 
2 Peter 3.9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness, but he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. How can you demonstrate that on a tangible level as you go through your day tomorrow? There's three things that you can say. Number one, hey, let's pray. Let's pray. Because you're going to hear somebody's trouble tomorrow or before the day is out today. Somebody say, hey, my mom got cancer. And my uncle, my so-and-so fell off the bike. So-and-so hit a tree. They ran out of money, blah, blah, blah. You can demonstrate your connectedness to God. If you care about them, you say, let's pray. And not like, oh, not, not the Christianese, oh, I'll pray about it, which is high-level Christianese code for I'm done talking to you, I need to go now, and I may or may not pray for you. No? Okay. Or let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. Boom, stretch out your hand. I was just somebody the other day, somebody's going on about her mom's got cancer, and I said, and I well, and, and I said, so nice. Uh, anyway, just pray with her right there. We were in a grocery store. I forget where we were. It just, it just happened so often. You just, they, because, oh, you're, aren't you? You're that, you know, you're that guy. You're that whatever. I, I think I know you, whatever. And, I, oh, yeah. and then I, sometimes I let them just kind of stagger and guess. And sometimes I tell them. And, and, and then when I do, you're like, you're like the medical doctor. And then everybody wants to show you their rash. <laughs> Or you're a lawyer, they want to tell you all about their, your, their legal problems. Or you're a plumber, and they want to tell you about their drippy faucet. Right? Well, they're the pastor, so you get all the other stuff. And so, okay, it's so nice to meet you, generally. I won't even ask them. I'll just kind of grab by the hand, and I'll pull them in close, and I'll just start praying. <laughs> With my eyes open, because their eyes get really big. It's awesome. <laughs> so that's a way that you, can, that you can demonstrate the love of God. And you just tell them this, God loves you. God's desire, and your connectedness to him, is, is, is whether or not you're willing to tell them that God loves them. Because he, he does love them so much that he gave his only begotten son. That's his desire. So you just say, listen, God loves you. God loves you. You know how disarming that is to somebody that comes at you with an attitude or, or whatever? And thirdly, my favorite, Jesus forgives you. Hey, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus wants to forgive you. There's, there's no sin stain so dark that the blood of Jesus can't wash it clean. Tide was designed with mothers and minds to get out the dirt kids get into. Remember that commercial? I don't know why I remember that commercial. But then I, 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 whether I made it up or I heard it, I'll say I made it up because it's kind of cool. Uh, it's, it says, the blood was designed with sinners in mind to get out the dirt we get into. And people need to hear that. That's the love of Jesus. That, that's not, let me tell you about the Roman road, brother. Sit down. You give me your life. No, God loves you. God wants to forgive you. Let's pray. Wow. That's radical. That'll change the world. Shows your connectedness, number one. Number two, God's desire is for you to be merciful. That's not our natural inclination because we're very skeptical people. We're, 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 we look for things that can hurt us and damage us, and so this is the mind that we have, right? But that's not, God says in Hosea 6, 6, for I desire mercy, not sacrifice, and the acknowledgement of God is rather, rather than burnt offerings. What does that mean? Well, he reiterates it in Matthew 9. He says, but go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners. In other words, God, given the choice, God says, listen, you just be merciful, 
I'll take care. It's not your place to put them in heaven or hell. You just be merciful. You tell them Jesus loves you. You tell them that God can forgive them and leave that to me. Our native son, Abraham Lincoln, says, I have always found that mercy bears richer fruits than strict justice. Micah 6, 8, I preached it a few weeks back. I have shown you, a man, what is good and just what the Lord requires of thee to do justly to ahava, to ahava mercy, which is the Hebrew word for love. I have told you that you need to love mercy. Love it. Love mercy. I can't wait to be merciful. I cannot wait to be merciful. Somebody comes in my house and breaks something. Somebody backs into my car. I need to love mercy. I need to be Christ personified. I need to say God loves you. Jesus forgives you. And so do I. Let's pray about it. Let's be merciful. I want to celebrate mercy. Is that our first response when somebody messes up for you? I don't know. I mean, we all deserve judgment. We all deserve ridicule. We all deserve death. But God. But God. Ephesians 2, 4. But because of his great mercy, but God, great in his mercy, rich in mercy. Verse 4. Look at that. He's rich in, back up. He's rich in mercy. Of all the things to be wealthy in. To be rich in mercy. I want to be rich in mercy. Am I? I'm affluent, but I'm not rich. I want to be rich. I desire to be rich. Don't you? Why? Because to whom much is given, much will be received, right? He's forgiven you. Why not be merciful to someone else? Tell them God loves them. God can forgive them. Rich in mercy made us alive in Christ when we were dead in transgressions. For it is by grace you have been saved that God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in order that in this coming age we might, and on and on it goes. I have much more to read, but I don't have time. One of my favorite authors, besides uh, uh, Dr. Doolittle. Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss. Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> Thank you, David. Is... Uh, uh, um, uh, C.S. Lewis. Uh, he says this. By the way, he was assassinated, or he, was, he died the same day Kennedy was assassinated. That way you'll always remember his birthday. If you know when Kennedy was assassinated, 63. It was your mother's birthday. He died, on, he died, uh, he died of kidney failure, I believe it was, um, in November 22nd of 63. Same day Kennedy was assassinated. Anyway, he said... A moderate, this is from the screw tape letters. And if you don't know the screw tape letters, get the book, read the book. It's amazing. Because it is a day, it's several days, in the life of the devil and demons in hell. C.S. Lewis is writing from the devil's perspective. Like, how can we get them? And he's walking around. He's like, and he goes, how can I get them to sin? How, well, we gotta, how, how, can I, how can I get them to spend the eternity in hell? And one little demon, he stands up. He, he's telling the story. One little demon stands up. He's like, oh, we need to give him pornography. And the devil just slaps him. The little demon rolls across the room, bang up against the wall. No, we've tried that. And another little demon says, oh, we need to start telling them they need to do drugs and, and just get wasted. And, and the devil just 
backhands that little demon, and the little demon rolls across hell, bam, up against the wall. He goes, nah, we've already tried that, and on and on and on, the devil just abused all the demons to one little imp, one little demon in the back of the room stood up and says, why don't we tell them they can wait until tomorrow to give their life to Jesus? And the devil, what a great idea. Wonderful little book. Um, satirical in many ways and insightful. He says this, a moderate, a moderate religion is as good for us as no religion at all and more amusing. A moderate religion, the devil says, is better for us than no religion at all. And besides, it entertains us. No, you've got to be all in. You've got to be dedicated. You've got to be connected. You've got to be merciful. Pilate was merciful until it became risky. So you demonstrate your connectedness to God by pointing people to Jesus. Number two, by showing mercy. And number three, we'll wrap it up here, by being conformed to his image. Imago Deo. Wait a second. I was created in the Imago Deo. I was, watch this. Look up here. If you don't get anything else, get this. We all, we're automatically connected. We talked about it last week because of the Imago Deo. We're all, why? You look like God. You're created in his image. But this scripture tells us in Romans, be conformed to his image. Why should I be, have to be conformed if I'm formed? You know why? Because the devil wants to deform you. He constantly works at deforming you. Do yourself a favor and do not look up the word deformed on Google, as I did this past week. What you will see is grotesque. This is what we look like on the spiritual level, listen to me, if we let the devil have his way with us. We get deformed. We get deformed. And he's thrilled. He's thrilled at that as he tears down every little thing in your life that even resembles God. You don't need to pray. You don't need to give. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to go to connect group. You don't need to get connected. Don't do that. That's just for weak people. That's, well, you don't want to be that. And he just until a weak religion is better than no religion at all. He'd rather you be lukewarm. Right. Eh, you know, the church. Take it or leave it. I got other things to do. You know, blah, blah. No. You want to reveal your connectedness? Be conformed. Every day, I, you need to evaluate your life in light of some of those questions that I've already given you and say to yourself, how am I doing? And honest, honest reflection is going to be good for you because you need that kind of feedback. And if you have somebody in your life that you can ask, even the more greater power. Unfortunately or fortunately, I have the ability to rewatch my sermon every week. And I can say to myself, Boy, Eric, you do some things that are distracting when you preach. My wife thinks I do this too much. <laughs> she told me the other day, she goes, you do that a lot. So I haven't done it up until just now, just for you. Why? Because I want to get better. I want to get better. I've been doing this for 30 years. I still want to be better at what I do. <laughs> so you're a Christian. You've been a Christian for 30 years. Don't you think you should try to be better, a better Christian than you were last year or 10 years ago? Well, you don't, may not have the ability to rewind the tape and watch your life of yesterday, but I'll darn well sure tell you that you probably know there was a few failures that happened yesterday, and that's just the devil trying to deform you. So you need to be conformed by the renewing of your mind. Gosh, I have a lot more to say, but we'll stop there for now. 
To be conformed means to act in accordance with a set of standards, expectations, and specifications. Not only do our desires reflect our connectedness, but our actions as well. Last verse, James 1.15. After desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's fully grown gives birth to death. Right? So if that's true, then the antithesis or the antithesis should also be true. And I'll say it like this. If my desires are his desires, then they give birth to righteousness, and when it's fully grown, it gives life. So James says, desires conceived give birth to sin, sin fully grown gives birth to death. The opposite is this. My desires, if they're his desires, then they give birth to righteousness and then gives life. So stand with me. There's an old, I want to say hymn, but it's not a hymn. It's probably from the 70s. Lord, you are more precious than, anybody know this? Silver. Lord, you are more costly than gold. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. Here it is now. And nothing I desire compares with you. What's at the top of your desire? Are your desires his desires? I want to say yes. Anybody else want to say, want to say yes? yes? You want to say yes? Yes. Do you fall short? Other hand. Yes. yes. But to the degree that you realize you fall short and are willing to do something about it, come on, otherwise you're just going to be what you were next year, this year. It'll just be a repeat. It'll be a carbon copy. Well, I'm kind of fine. Listen, you can, you can skate on into heaven by the skinny. You, you can slide on in, but, but I, I think you ought to go for it. What does this life of Christ really look like in my, in my life? Where I get involved and I roll my sleeves and I say yes. Yeah, it's going to cost you three things. Time, talent, and treasure. Always, always. Jesus said, deny yourself, take up your cross, and you're going to have it on easy street, babe. No, he said, take your cross, deny yourself, and come follow me. We're going to have, a, we're going to have an extravagant life. We're going to have a crazy life. We're going to have an amazing life. I may ask you to do a couple things that you don't want to do. You may have to go out there in the rain. Take those pillows off the, the deck furniture in the rain. Get wet. Get cold. But... I know it's your desire, so I'll do it for you. It's not really a big price to pay, is it? For connectedness? Puts me out, can irritate me, but I'll still do it. There are things that God asks you to do that puts you out, that irritates you, but you still do it. Why? Because you want to be connected. You want that life-giving flow of living water. So that's what we're here for. We rejoice today because of what has happened in our country, but there's more to roll up our sleeves to do nationally, in our state, and in your life. So let's pray. Father, today we recognize that our desires, our true heart's desires, will demonstrate how connected we are to you. And Lord, in those areas where we fall so short, where we're quicker to judge than show mercy, help us to be more merciful. Where we kind of blow people off. Lord, let us lean in and say, how can I pray for you? God loves you. He forgives you. God, help us to be more like you. Be passionate and patient. 
kind, full of mercy, rich in mercy. Help us, Lord. So today, this is the day, Lord, we surrender our hearts to you in another degree. A full circle is 360 degrees, and you you may have made a 359-degree turn. It's not a full circle yet. Just take one more step. Say, Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in. I'm turning my life around with your help. 360 degrees, or or rather 180 degrees. I'm going to turn myself all the way back around into my sin. That's foolish. But I don't even go 180 degrees. I don't go half a circle. Say yes to you. If that's you this morning with me, Father, we just lift our hands to you and say, God, here I am. I need your mercy, and I need to be more merciful. I need your love, and I need to be more loving. And I need your forgiveness, and I promise to be more forgiving. Lord, I'm all in. I'm all in. So now may the Lord bless you as you open your heart to him. Right now, just open your heart and say, God, come on in. Come into my life, Lord. Help me. Forgive me. I need a fresh start. So we leave this place today, Lord, energized and charged, charged. We have been charged to be discharged, to go into the world and to be light in life, to bring peace wherever we go. And so may the Heavenly Father shine his face on you. May he give you lots of peace. Provide for you. If you're needing provision right now, I just speak provision over your life. You need healing right now. God, touch them in their body. We come against cancer and sickness. And I speak life and strength. Where there's a lack of vision, Lord, bring clarity. May this be the day that you've intervened and changed for your goodness and for your glory. In the name of the Father, and in the name of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.